Welcome to the Unsophisticated Palate, a podcast about all things wine, beer, and spirits. Each week, join us on our journey as we drink and delve into different alcohol-related topics. I'm Mark. I'm Dan. Cheers. And we're going to drink, and uh, we're back for part two. Let me drink real quick. Okay, so we're back for part two of home-making wine, or making wine wine at home, (laughs) home home-wine-making. There you go. Garagiste. Garagiste. Which uh, it, it took me, I think it was the second time you said it, I realized garage, because you brew in your garage and you are a garagist. Uh, <laughs> there you go. When you say it, it sounds so fancy. <laughs> oh, well, not to confuse it we're, with a garagista, which is a mechanic. Oh, oh, okay. There you go. Okay. So, so yes, that, that's slightly different uh, <laughs> uh, profession, I think. I don't know if it's a profession if you're home winemaking. Um, but yeah, so we've had some wine and we're feeling good and we just opened. So we did the first three. We're going to walk through the last four. Um, so we're starting with the 2015 because we ended on the 2014 Primitivo. Let's talk a little bit about this one and then kind of go from there. Okay. And I promise to try to be a little bit quicker. I had a coworker who, uh, who told me that I tend to ramble on a little bit and uh, explain things too much. And she, she told me, said, Dan, when I ask you what time it is, don't tell me how to build a watch. You know what? No one has ever said that to me. <laughs> okay. And anyone who's listening to this has said that to me. <laughs> okay. And that's why you start a podcast, because you can just ramble away. Okay, so this is the 2015 Cabernet. We call it the Volo Cabernet. Volo is a, it's a shot in bocce, and I love playing bocce. Oh, actually, we should mention that. It's debauchery. So debauchery was the, the name of the, the Syrah, the 2012 Syrah. And then the Zinfandel and the Polino are the Polino. The Primitivo, we called the Polino Primitivo. I didn't do a label for it, but Polino is the little white ball that you throw out that yeah. you throw it close to. So we call the Primitivo the uh, Polino. Uh, the Zinfandel, in bocce, if you score all four points in a frame, it's called a casino. Okay. So we called this the casino. Oh, I like that casino. Like that. Volo is a shot in, in bocce where uh, it's not used very often, and it's certainly not in, in public play too much because it's sort of a dangerous shot. It's where you, instead of rolling the ball, you actually throw it up in the air and try to hit the spot okay. that and knock it out. So it's kind of a dangerous shot. So I like, I just like, I think cabs are big and bold and, and a little bit dangerous. So I like that. Okay. <clears throat> so the 15 cab uh, we got from a grower in Dry Creek Valley, a friend of mine is a winemaker, an owner at Mutt Lynch Wineries, and she sources grapes from there. And so I was able to buy grapes from her. It's great getting to know people and getting to know all these these winemakers and that because then you get sources into the Merlot that, that we'll try next. We'll talk about that, but that's from another famous kind of winery up here in Dry Creek yeah. Valley. That so you can to do that. So Craigslist them, or you can just make some or, really or good just friends. Make some really good friends. <laughs> and then I just kind of ask the winemakers where I'm working, hey, I'm thinking about making Merlot. Oh, yeah, you can get it from Geo. Now, now, out of curiosity, if I were to be wine tasting someplace and I like it, or maybe a, a wine club member someplace or whatever, um, I mean, would it be weird to just say, hey, would you have any extra grapes or you think? Or- well, you can certainly ask. Yeah. And I- sometimes they'll say, uh, so, oh, yeah, we might have something like that. We can help you out with that. Um, sometimes it'll be like they'll look at your account and say, oh, yeah, this is Mark. He spent like $15,000 with us. We'll go ahead and sell him <laughs> some grapes or even give him some grapes. With yeah. Him. But, oh, here's Mark. He's a brand-new customer. Yeah, and maybe not so, so much. So build the relationships, build the spend relationships some time. And yeah. Spend some time up there and, and, and do that. 
So like I said, this is a Dry Creek uh, Valley cab. I know you asked me more about the process. Yeah, with so, that. so I get the grapes. Yeah, you bring them home, right? Get the grapes and either this one I went over to where um, my winemaker friend Brenda was uh, crushing hers. And I just took 50, 250 pounds out, had a five-gallon bucket, and I'm just taking it out, weighing it, and dumping it into uh, a container that I had in the back of my car. And then bring them home. And what I do then, of course, like I said before, is add the SO2 to kind of kill off anything um, bad with that. And then let them sit overnight so they can now, settle down. Just real quick, so I make sure I understand. So you, you got the grapes, and you took them over to this other place and crushed them. No, no, no. Oh, no, okay. Sorry, so you, you, here. you loaded them up in the car. You brought them home. <laughs> You right. put them in the SO2? Well, I put a little bit of SO2 into it. So okay, I, into I put it. them into my fermenter, okay. my fermentation tank, which I said before is just a 30-gallon a trash can Okay. Uh, with that. So I put it into that. With water or anything No water. Else? No, no, just no, it no, itself? I'm okay. going to measure it. I'm going to check the bricks level. So I want to know what I, my starting bricks is, which is the amount of sugar that's in there. So I'm going to measure that. And I use that with the hydrometer. So a hydrometer, and I just do it manually. So it looks like a giant thermometer. Yeah, it does. Okay, so we're looking at this right now. And I have a cylinder, and I've got a cylinder of water in here, and I just drop it into it, and it bobs up and down. And there's a couple of scales on there. There's the the, um, brick scale. There's one that's similar. It's called balling, that gives you a similar reading, and the potential alcohol. So the alcohol, you figure that from a bricks is about... For each bricks, the alcohol is about going to be like 0.55 of that. So if okay. you have if you have a, a brick starting at 28, you have a potential alcohol of around 14 or 15. Just be a little bit over halfway on that. Okay. So if I want, you know, 14 is kind of about perfect for what I like for for wine and that 14% alcohol because you get the flavors in there, you get the alcohol, but it's not hot, it's not overpowering, and you can drink a lot of it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the bottom line. And so now to, to make this similar, it looks like the same tool. And I'm guessing it's similar to like uh, we did the home brewing wine, ep- oh, no, I'm sorry, home brewing beer episode. And that would be similar to their gravity. Um, right. So okay. You're measuring specific gravity, which is in compared. Which in this case, you're wine. calling bricks, right? So we call it bricks in, in the wine. wine world. Okay, got it. Okay. That. And I put it in there. Um, so specific gravity measures the the amount of dissolved solids in the water compared to pure water. Yes. And so as the brick starts dropping down on that, as the yeast is eating up the sugar in there and converting it to alcohol and CO2, then the brick starts dropping down mm-hmm. on that. So I'm measuring that every day. So I started by, we haven't crushed anything yet. What I've done is maybe crush it. Uh, but now, how are you measuring if you crushed. haven't crushed it? You just well, crush a grape, or no? Sometimes it'll it'll self macerate. Okay. So as the yeast enters into the grape and then starts eating the sugar and creating CO two, it'll burst. Okay. For that, so sometimes I'll let it do that. The Syrah we did that. The Pinot that we made, we let it just go ahead and kind of self macerate with that. So we didn't really crush it too hard. With that, but let let it do that. The other ones, we went ahead and crushed it. And I've got a crusher destimmer on the first couple, the first bottle of wine that we made, the Syrah. I did not have a crusher destimmer, so I did it all by hand. So mm-hmm. 300 pounds by hand, grabbing a bunch of grapes and just stripping off the grapes and kind of crushing them with my hand. 
took me about eight hours. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> but, oh my gosh. So the next year when we did the Zinfandel, but I'm not going to do that. There's a place here in town called Beverage People that caters to home winemakers uh. and they, you can rent equipment. So I, I rented for $50, I rented a Crusher D stemmer, which is a little manual, it's got a hopper, a little um, turn crusher thing with that mm -hmm. that goes through. And it's got this long screw type thing that will take all the, the grapes off. The grapes kind of fall through and the, the stems, the just stems keep moving. and everything just Leaves. move off with that. I and rented, that's probably, I rented that. that 50 bucks is probably well worth that eight hours. Well, I rented it for 50 <laughs> bucks and came home. And did it in 20 minutes. Oh, so geez. the same amount that I did in eight hours, I did in 20 minutes. And then the next year, I thought for the the primitivo, uh, I'm not going to rent 50 bucks for 20 minutes. I'm just going to do this by hand. Eight hours later, I was on Craigslist, <laughs> and I found a guy here in Hillsburg who was selling a a Crusher D stemmer. Oh, nice! And I bought it for I don't know, like 75 bucks from him. Oh, really? Yeah. So I've used wow. that on the on the. One. So once I have them kind of crushed and destemmed, they go into the fermentation tank with that. And this is the same thing that happens at a, a big winery. They yeah, just do it on a much larger scale. Yeah, small down scale. Much, much smaller scale with that. So we have it in the uh, fermentation tank, and I have put a, a thermometer in there. So it's just a meat thermometer. Now, I put that in there because I want to look in and, and follow the temperature to make sure that it's at the right spot. Okay. Yeah, and I'm just going to say there's several lots of steps and a lot of like daily maintenance on this, um, which, which is surprising um, to me anyway, because I, I imagine like, you know, you, you stem, you crush, you stick it in there and you're, you're done. Um, but uh, so where you've pulled it, where have you mashed them yet at this point or, no. so or is it just kind of naturally happening in the process? Okay. With that. And what I'm hoping to have happen, and I've added the yeast to it. Now mm -hmm. so I've inoculated it with the yeast and the strain that I want and what I want to see happen is a cap form. So at the very top of it, all of a sudden you start seeing the um, the, the top of it looks like it's dry. Oh, okay. okay. Because what's happening is the, the, the grapes and the skins and everything are kind of floating to the top of that. And so I'm going to mash it down or do a punch down. Oh, so that's a mash or a punch. Okay, a so punch I'm trying down. to understand so some of the terms. Called, okay, It's called a punch down with that. A lot of the bigger wineries, where they have huge tanks, will do a pump over. So they'll pump from the bottom to the top, and they keep that cap wet okay. on that. Um, so that happens, and I'm punching it down daily, and I'm taking the measurements of my bricks and the temperature daily. With that, Going back to the Syrah, it was a cool year, and winter kind of came early a little bit, because this is in late October, early November when I was doing this, and the garage was cold. And uh -huh. I want to get it, get it up and keep it at about 80, 85 degree temperature on that. I had to wrap a electric blanket oh. around that and try to kind of keep the temperature up on it. So Innovative. otherwise it's a cold fermentation and it just takes it's not forever gonna be the same, and it man. might not go all the way through. On the, on the Primitivo that we tasted um, on the last week uh -huh. <laughs> on the previous episode, it actually had a stuck fermentation. So it got down to 0.5, mm -hmm. and you want to have it go as dry as possible because what you don't want to have is later on have it start re-fermenting, especially if it goes into the bottle. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have any residual sugar that could cause a re-fermentation where it's going to pop the cork out. And, yeah, cause and, all sorts of other issues. If you ever if you ever taste a wine 
that you, you buy and you sample it and it tastes fizzy mm-hmm. that, it's probably doing some re-fermentation or going through malolactic maybe think I've finish on it had a wine that was a little fizzy yeah, once now that I think about it especially if it's a little bit fizzy and it just tastes a little a little tingly yeah and it wasn't top. a great wine either and yeah, I'm right. imagining so because it's, so it's not doing what's supposed to so once we do that and we have it kind of down to zero on the fermentation part then I'm going to press it Okay. And we have a... Well, real quick, before we press it, um, we're going to... Let's move to the Merlot. Oh. oh. Oh, sorry. I'm ahead of you on the wine drinking here. Um, we're going to move to the Merlot. Good. Keep um, me on track. And, uh, yeah, keep moving here. So, it's... Um, so, we've got to... And, 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 actually, you've kind of ruined a little of my minor winemaker's dream here, where, you know, maybe you weren't stomping them with your feet or whatever. But, you know, I always hear about the mash, and I guess, to me, it's always... It brings back that, you know... <laughs> Foot stomping or whatever, kind of a romantic. Um, well, you can certainly do that. Appeal to it, but it sounds like you don't need to if you're doing it right. You can certainly do that if you want. And, <laughs> you're like, I'm not going to stop you. Get yet. yourself uh, purple feet and, and that, but. Um, it sounds like it's not as, know, as big of a step in the process as I now, thought it there was. There are some wine clubs who will still offer that. And mm-hmm. come on up and we do a, a grape stomp and grape mashing. So. Uh, and they'll um, do like half barrels and put grapes in there and have a little spigot on the end of it. They've they've inserted into it and you try to see who can make the most. Yeah. Uh, and that's more in in pressing, not so much in crushing. Okay. But in the pressing part. Oh, is that, that when that so happens? You kind of press that out and get that. So part of it's crushing, okay. some of it's pressing, and and trying to get that out uh, right. with that. And, well, while I sip on this Merlot, so pick up Merlot. where we left off with the uh, the pressing. Or actually, tell me a little bit about the Merlot, and then we'll pick up where we left off. <laughs> The Merlot, this is one where I was talking with the guys of the winery and said, I'd like to make Merlot this year. And they said, oh, maybe we, we'll get in touch with Gio. So Gio is Gio Martirana at Martirana Vineyards in um, Dry Creek Valley up off of West Dry Creek Road. And it makes organic wines and it makes a wonderful Merlot. And we were fortunate enough to, uh, he said, yeah, we'll you know, come on over and, and pick and so Karen and I, again, went over there, and we picked. And he said, do you have a four-wheel drive? And I said, yeah, the SUV's got all-wheel drives. Okay, just drive up this little hill here and pick from these two rows. And so we spent about an hour, hour and a half picking and put them in. And I had to drive back down that little hill. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't really secure the grapes in the back. Oh, no. <laughs> so so we, had, we had one large tank with the, or one large um, trash can full. And I had a smaller one that was in the passenger seat behind me. And I go down that hill, that thing fell uh, over, and the grapes all over the floor. I think, I think I'm still picking out grapes from underneath my seat. <laughs> well, they're probably raisins at this so, point, right? <laughs> right. So, uh, anyways, these are these are high quality quality grapes that I was able to source from uh, from Martirano. And so once we press the wine, or once we have the wine down to the bricks level is at zero. So you've been monitoring every day. Monitoring it, punching it down, looking at the temperature, checking the bricks, making sure it's getting down to that. Like I said before, the Primitivo was stuck at 0.5. I ended up putting a little bit of water and apple juice back into it, along with some uh, yeast that's been cultured to do a re-fermentation or restart with that. And so once I did that, and it was stuck for about three days, and I added the apple juice and the yeast back to it. And this is after talking to another winemaker friend. I'm going, Jordan, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. What do I do? And she told me to do this and gave mm-hmm. me the sense. Boom. Within a day after that, 
it was down to like a negative one and ready to press. Okay. So, oh, and one quicker. So we're about to press. Um, how many days into the process are we? Anywhere from a week to three weeks. Okay, so yeah, this and is so it happens pretty quick. There's a with the home winemaking and probably with with winemaking even a larger scale. There's a lot of activity during crush and harvest, and then there's not so much until you bottle. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I was just saying because it seems like there is daily activity and 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 even for a few weeks. So you've got to be um, committed to this um, for for a period of time. Absolutely. So I, I get up in the morning when I have uh, the fermentation happening. Before I go to work, I'm doing the punch down and then I'm checking the bricks and the temperature. And when I get home in the evening, I'm doing the same thing okay. on that and just kind of watching it and see if we need to add anything and kind of taste it on that. So. Then we're ready to press it. I have a little um, standard kind of press. It was, it was this really cool wood ones with the big, awesome. Wood ones with a big <laughs> crank on the top. And I just grab a, um, a bucket full of grapes. Because mm -hmm. by this time, the cap that it formed has fallen back in because all the, 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 the fermentation has happened and is complete. The sugar is gone on that. So I'm just grabbing a one-gallon bucket. I'm kind of dumping it in. And then on the spout where it comes out, I have a, a strainer, just a kitchen strainer, a real fine strainer. Uh -huh. Have that underneath that, and it's going into another bucket. And then when that gets full, then I'm taking that bucket, and I have a 14-gallon demijohn. So it's this nice big bottle that's about three feet tall, two feet wide, holds 14 gallons. Wow. Okay. So I'm dumping it into that. Okay. okay? So I'm pressing the wine. I'm cranking the the wine press down, pressing the wine and getting that out, and then filling that up. And then I have to do it in stages. And it's fun because once you take it apart, when you press it all the way down, you end up with what's called the cake. Yeah. And you take I've it apart and you look at this, and it's just this perfectly round pressed grape cake. <laughs> leftovers, basically. Leftovers That's all the skins, the, all the yeah, skins yeah, and yeah. everything with that. And we're we're just taking it, you know, big handfuls of it and throwing it in the and the uh, yard waste can. And I've had friends say, well, why don't you make grappa with it? That's what you make grappa from. It's yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, with yeah. That. And I said, well, you know, grappa, making that is, there's a real fine line between making grappa and making something that'll make you go blind. Oh. <laughs> I don't, I'm not confident in my skills. That's not a line you want to, you don't want to roll the dice so, on that one? <laughs> so I'm not ready to do that yet. So, no, I just toss it. We put it in the yard waste with that. I think sometimes we'll sprinkle it in the backyard. Just we'll put it in the compost. Compost, or, whatever, yeah, yeah. So once I have it into the that demijohn and whatever leftover, I'll put it into a five-gallon carboy, which is just a large glass water bottle like that. So I'm monitoring that. And you kind of let it settle down because then you get some of the leaves. The leaves are the leftover yeast holes, the great skins, the seeds. That's okay. all called the leaves. And so on some wines, you want to let it sit on the leaves a little bit because it will extract a little bit of flavor and different components out of that. But I'll let it sit down and then I'll rack it. So mm -hmm. racking it means when you're going to kind of pump it off, get rid of those leaves, and then put it back or kind of mix it with that. And then, once I do that a couple times, I want to introduce uh, malolactic fermentation. It's called okay. a secondary fermentation. So you're changing the malic acid to lactic acid. Okay. Hold on. So, and, and we're going to need to move on to our Pinot okay. here in a minute. 
But I, I, you know, I love the stuff. I geek out on the stuff. But I got to also confess, at this point, I'm in over my head. So there's a lot of acid. <laughs> it's kind of going back and forth. So, and and I know that I'm, I'm assuming there's this is stuff you learn over time. But if you had to explain it to five-year-old like myself and kind of put it to that level. I am. Uh-oh, uh-oh. If that's the simple part, then I'm in trouble. How would you kind of explain so, or sum red, that up? Red wines, red wines typically all go through ML, malolactic fermentation. White wines don't. Okay. Because malic acid is what you find in apples. Okay. That tart, crisp taste in a green apple. And you want that in a Sauvignon Blanc, in a Simeon, something like that. You want that kind of flavor in that. In a red wine, a Merlot, you don't. Yeah. So you want it to go to lactic acid, which is what you find in milk, which is a softer mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. So you introduce a, a bacteria into your wine that'll take it through malolactic fermentation. Okay. And there, there's some process with that. And once that's done... So this is happening all during the fermentation this is process. Happening, well, it's sort of the, the secondary fermentation. Okay, so, so malolactic is always called secondary fermentation. Okay, so uh, and just to again simplify for for my brain here, so we've we've pressed it, drained it, put it in the the big whatever the glass next container yeah. is, and then at that point we've we've let it sit for a little bit, but then also added this other bacteria um, to start malolactic. And if it's and a white is, wine that we're not doing malolactic on, then I'm putting some something in there to prevent malolactic from happening. Okay, okay, this Pinot's delicious, by the way. But so that being said, so this is, and this is the fermentation process. This is when it's actually fermenting. Malolactic, again, is secondary fermentation. So the primary fermentation is the yeast eating the sugar and converting it into alcohol and CO2. Mm -hmm. Secondary fermentation is when that's all done and you've kind of got... So that happened before we pressed it. Yes. Okay, got it. Okay. Malolactic is after pressing. Okay, got it. Okay, so that's what I'm trying to... And typically, if you have a barrel that's had a wine in it that has gone through malolactic, that barrel still has some of that culture in there, even if you've cleaned it out. And if you put a wine in there, it's going to start spontaneous malolactic fermentation. Most of the time, you just add some bacteria specifically designed to do that, and it creates that. So once it goes through malolactic, then we're kind of done with it. We might want to rack it. We're going to clean it a little bit, and we're going to put it in the barrel. Okay. And how long has this process because we're about to do the barrel tasting here in a minute um, Mal- well malolactic can be anywhere for another week to another three weeks so from from getting the grapes to the time i put it in the barrel is about six to eight weeks six to eight weeks and and a lot of that is still daily are you still daily checking a lot at this point or maybe at um, that point it's a little less during the the primary fer- fermentation yes once it gets into the when i put it in the demijohn and i start malolactic not so much it might be i'm looking at it i'm checking it you know, I might be tasting it. <laughs> it kind of tastes funny. There's a fun little little drink, though, I learned about. When you press the wine, you mix it, some of that fresh-pressed wine with Prosecco. Oh. And it's, it's, it's really pretty good. And okay. It's a nice way to kind of celebrate. Just like that. So Karen and I did that and had a little fun with that. I like that. it. So once we have it into the barrel, then what I'm doing is just kind of keeping an eye on it, looking at that level, making sure I've got it topped off making sure the sulfur on it is at, at, a, at an appropriate level so nothing bad is happening in there. I'm topping it off. And if I have more than the 15 gallons, like right now I have five gallons in the carboy and 15 in the barrel, then I'm going to rack that and kind of blend that once every two or three months. 
Okay. So I'm going to do that and just kind of mix it again so that the wine in the carboy gets exposed a little bit to the wine of the oak. That And since I'm on my seventh vintage, mm-hmm. my barrel is considered neutral. Yeah, by this point, That's I would why on the yes. Syrah, which is the very first one in that barrel, there are a lot of oaky characteristics to it. The graham cracker that came through on that. Yes, which I definitely tasted. The Pinot that went in there, not much oak at all. So yeah. I'll get oak chips, okay, oak little cubes, and I'll throw those into that. So I introduce some of those toasty characteristics into that wine. But it, my barrel is pretty much uh, neutral right now. And people always ask me, when do you when do you bottle? When do you? I, I bottle mm-hmm. when the next batch is ready to go in the barrel. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> well, I only so have you... one barrel to use. Yeah. Right. So if I'm if I have it full of right now, I have it full of the Sangiovese. So when I think this year we're going to do Zinfandel again or maybe Petit Syrah. But when that is ready to go into the barrel, I've got a bottle of the Sangiovese. So it ages and <laughs> as long as it takes to go through the next exactly. process. Okay. Exactly right. So the Pinot that we're having here. Yes, is, let's talk about that. We call it the Squish Pinot. So okay. in 2017 is when our grandson was born. Uh-huh. His name's Killian. You've had Aaron on before. Yes. And with that. So our grandson is Killian. And they call him Squish. Oh, okay. So this 2017 vintage, which is a Killian vintage, was named after our grandson. Killian. I was waiting for a Bacchiball reference, Squish. but this is totally uh, separate. This is, okay. this is the Squish Pinot, so it's totally named after him. And I just entered this and the Merlot into the Orange County Fair Home okay. Winemakers competition, and I'll find out next weekend what scores if I get any uh-huh. on these. Excellent. Well, I will look forward to that. Um, and, and kind of hearing how you did, I'm tasting these again. And this is what's amazing to me. And I've had um, some fabulous wines made at home. And I, I, I was very leery at first. Matter of fact, um, a friend of mine, and I think we've talked about this on a past episode, had been gifted a bottle. Um, and actually, it's happened twice where somebody who had homebrewed wine had gifted the bottle to somebody I knew. And we all just kind of eyeballed it. And nobody was kind of like, so it sat around for a while. Until finally it was like, you know what, let's let's crack this. You know what, we're, we're going to do it. So what we opted to do is I think we went out and we bought a bottle and we've been gifted a bottle and then we had the homemade bottle and we blind taste tested it, put them all in bags. I think one person went and put them each in a bag. There's three of us. Uh, the other person went and shuffled all the bags around so that, you know, nobody. And then the third person poured. Right. So there's no way of knowing. No way of knowing what was what. Yeah. And we and every single time I've done that. The homemade wine was the one that everybody ended up choosing. Wow, how about that? Yeah, and and so the qualities there um, for number one, and and I think it kind of again goes to the people who are doing this, like you. I mean, if you're checking this daily, you're putting the time into this. If you've <laughs> devoted this much of your life to it, you, you know, again, things can go wrong. But if things go wrong, I'm guessing you're not gifting me that bottle, or at least. I hope. <laughs> Maybe I want to get rid of it. Yeah, and there could be that. But as a whole, again, this is something you've taken and put a lot of time and pride into. Um, and I think it shows in the finished product. So I will encourage anybody who has gifted a home or, or even offered the chance to have a pouring of a, of a homemade wine to do so. Because, I mean, again, I've been blown away. I, I would not know the difference. Not only would I not know the difference on many of these from anything else I'd buy in the store. I, I, having drank, drunk, part, uh, um, 
partaken in, <laughs> let's go with that, partaken in, in all of these, I think I would, I would buy these off the shelf um, over many other wines that I've had. Well, thank you. Again, uh, high praise and appreciate that. We've, uh, it is a labor of love, and we've had a great time, a lot of fun doing it. We call ourselves Karen Dan Wines. Yes, I saw it. Karen Dan. Karen Dan Wines. <laughs> so, so it's that, for Karen you know, and Dan. We're, but we're it, not bonded. We don't sell. We don't distribute. We're not, you know, in, we're allowed to make 200 gallons a year. Oh, is that, is that the, the <laughs> that's rules? The, that's the rules. You can make 200 gallons. So if, if with one adult living at home, you, you're allowed 100 gallons. Two adults of the same resident, 200 gallons. So, Interesting. So okay. that's what it is. And we're making... 20 gallons at the most. Yeah, so. yeah. So you're, you're well under the limit. Um, well under the limit. And well doing fine. That. So um, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to taste, which is a the barrel tasting, which is awesome. So this is what's right. sitting in your barrel right now. And uh, and then we'll we'll see right. if you so have any parting words and go from there. This so is the Sangiovese. And the Sangiovese, uh, I don't know how that came into my head that let's do Sangiovese this year. So, again, I was asking the guys up at the winery, um, I, do you know anybody who makes uh, who grows Sangiovese? Mm-hmm. And they said, "Oh yeah, Ray Ray does over here, right over the hill mm-hmm. on that." And so I mentioned it to the assistant winemaker up at the winery that, "Oh, maybe I'd like to try the Sangiovese." The next thing I know is he's telling me, you know, like a week later, Dan, you need to bring your uh, bring your tank up up tomorrow because Ray's picking and he has your wine. He's got your grapes. And I'm going, oh, oh. Arrangements made. Okay, okay. that's great. And it just so happened to be the same time that we were bringing a lot of Pinot into the into the, the winery for the wine that we're making there. Mm-hmm. And so they brought over my 300 pounds of Sangiovese grapes and the guys that were doing all the sorting of the Pinot or that, they just stood up there. They dumped my grapes in and they sorted it out and did that right and put uh-huh. it into the thing into my uh, fermentation tank and helped me into the back so it was it was quality grapes um hand sorted hand picked looked through there mm-hmm. and with that so i'm really happy with it and sangiovese it tends to be a little bit softer i may add some cab to this just okay. to blend it and make it like a super tuscan mm-hmm. but who knows we'll, we'll see here we've got another four or five months before I have to make that decision. Yeah, so how but long has this been in the barrel? This has been in the barrel since November. Okay. So that's what this is June. So six, seven, six, seven, months? seven, seven, eight months. Maybe. And you say it'll sit there in another three, four. So you're barreling probably nine ish months. It's just, no, no. Bar- well, barreling. Well, actually almost a year, about, I guess, right? Just about year to year okay. on that with that. And like I said, it's the barrel is pretty much neutral right now. On that so i'm adding some oak chips to it and is talking to another winemaker up there where i work and he was saying oh you're making sangiovese you know sangiovese loves oak it will soak up the oak mm-hmm. i said well there's no so so i've put a lot of oak chips into that and i get oak samples i found them on amazon i went over to a trade show and walked around the the show floor with that and just getting samples of uh-huh. of the uh Different oak, oak chips and mm-hmm. that, and so I've just been hand, you know, throwing a handful in. And I can taste that in there, actually. It is soaking up the oak already. Yeah, so you can, can taste get this. It, it should be a little bit softer feel, a mouthfeel on this. Oh, one thing I should should mention, too, there's some, some filtering and some fining things that we can do at, prior to bottling on that. So one is, um, is it called Isinglass? It's, it's made out of uh, sturgeon uh, fish bladders. Okay, interesting. But it'll filter out some of the 
the uh, the lees and the sediment and things and, and can kind of find it with that. There's some other enzymes you can put in. You can buy that'll filter it and do that. And then I found that adding gum arabic. Mm. I was reading this and I've, I've been using home winemakers for dummies. Also, is okay. like my bible that I go <laughs> Why to not? Right. For that, but it says if you put some gum arabic in at the end. Um, it adds some sweetness to it without adding sugar. And it will um, create a softer mouthfeel to it. So I dump a little four or five ounce of that to the 15, 20 gallons on that. Mm -hmm. And I find that, yeah, it makes it a little bit softer on that. And what's interesting is that in, in California and in most, some places in the United States, you're not allowed to add sugar to wine. Oh, okay. At least for, for professional winemakers for that. It's called chaptalization. Okay. And you're not allowed to add sugar to wine with that. So you find other things you do to it to other add tricks. to it. Yeah. If you want to make it just a little bit sweeter with that. In France, you can add sugar to wine, but you're not allowed to add acid okay. to it. So it's just different ways of, yeah. of making that on that. So I haven't added any sugar to it, but I will add some of these little components to it. The gum arabic tends to make it, like I said, a softer mouthfeel. Yeah, and I can on that, get that. Just yeah. a little tiny tiny bit of sweetness to it. So all of the, the bottled wines have that in there. The Sangiovese, not yet, but I'm sure it will. It may end up there. And so a couple quick questions. And because and I've, I've been, you mentioned winemaking for dummies, and I've been reading and I'm still working my through it, but I've like so far as a, a Vines to Wines book. I think that's what's called Vines to Wines. And it's, it's again, because I'm thinking I've got to plant some, but I'm also realizing it doesn't matter how much I plant in that backyard. <laughs> I'm going to need to find a source. Um, so that's really good to know. Um, but my my other quick question um, is, is just out of curiosity: Have you taken any of these bottles back to the person you got the 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 grapes from and said, "Here's a here's an actual oh, bottle of it"? I've, I've taken the Merlot back to Martirano and, and handed that off to them. I've taken the Syrah to um, to Lisa at Monte Maggiore, and she's the one who told me. Said Dan, this has that yummy factor to it. Nice. Again, high praise. And just a, a, quick, high praise. a quick story with the with the Syrah. We went to dinner um, a couple weeks ago with the winemaker, the head wine who's been making wine for 20 years and has multiple, multiple awards and accolades and gold medals and that. We went to dinner at this place in Geyserville. And I, I didn't realize he was going to be at dinner with us, so I brought a bottle of the Syrah and when I, when I put the cork in, I bottled it, I, I let the corks kind of soak in an SO2 solution. And so when I put them in, the cork with the SO2, when it interacts with alcohol, it turns green. Mm. So I have my bottle of Syrah in front of this world-famous winemaker. I think he's world-famous. Yeah. And the yeah. waitress opens my bottle of wine, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I hope it's going to be good. And the cork comes out green. And that's normally like and a really like, bad thing. That means like air has got her to the eyes, wine. Her eyes got really big and she showed it to him because she thought maybe he brought the wine. She's showing him, you know, what what what, what do I what do I do with this? And I'm saying, it's okay. <laughs> Roll <laughs> like, with pour, it. Pour me some. Pour me some. I'll taste it. You know, pour me some here. I'll taste it. And it tasted wonderful. Mm -hmm. It did. So she said, she was very gracious. And she said, well, perhaps I'll, I'll decant it for I said, mm -hmm. oh, that'd be nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she decanted it. And we had we had um, three or four different bottles of wine that evening on the table with that. So a glass for each one. And at the end of the evening, 
Ben, the winemaker, looked at me and he said, Dan, do you see which glass of mine is empty? It's your wine. That was great stuff you made. Yeah, and that's high compliments. Wow, that was incredible. Yes. That was. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to giving this a go. Any any kind of parting words, thoughts? If, if, if just got to jump in. If you want to do it, you know, find a book with that, that homemaking, what do I call it? Home winemaking for dummies. For dummies, perfect. yeah. Uh, with that, look at that, you know, ask questions, you know, check out the, just go to your, if you belong to a wine club, it's great. Mm-hmm. Ping the wine club manager, tell her that, hey, I'm looking into making home wine. How, how do I get started? And hopefully yeah. she'll put you, she or he will put you in touch with a winemaker and give you some advice on that. Yeah. So just, just I would imagine like most things, you can jump in at a fairly semi-low cost. I mean, it's not it is cheap. Pretty, you know, like but, I said, over seven years, I think I've spent $3,500. Yeah. What's that, $500 a year? So yeah. And if you got eight hours, you can do it by hand. And then when you're ready, you can <laughs> rent for 50 Absolutely. And then when you're ready, buy used for 75 right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and, and looking for equipment, the wine press that I have, I found on Craigslist. A guy down in Santa Clara was selling it. I bought it for $100. It's a $500 wine press. Yeah, yeah. So just keep your eyes open. Well, great, perfect. So I, I'm I'm uh, encouraged and, and slightly afraid, which I think is the right way to go into most things. Yeah. I think, yeah. Well, I can't wait to uh, sample your first vintage. Yeah, it's going to be a couple of years, I think. Or uh, maybe next year. Maybe next year. We'll oh, see. Um, in the meantime, uh, you know, go, go to the website to give us any feedback, questions, comments. Uh, anything that direction, www.theunsophisticatedpalette.com. Uh, please tell friends, subscribe, you know, share. Uh, share the podcast out there in the world, of course. Uh, everybody wants that. It's good for all peoples. And until next time, drink responsibly. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.